Hey everybody, welcome to the podcast. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is another episode of Snap Judgments today. Myself and Austin Ward are talking about what's going on with the Ohio State Buckeyes and their football recruiting class of 2023. It has been a crazy couple days for the Buckeyes, and we're just going to continue to try to get to the bottom of what's going on with the class after another uh, unexpected decommitment, this time from the class's first commitment, Ty Lockwood, tight end from Tennessee, who has flipped to Alabama. Austin and I are going to talk about that and more next. Austin, Thursday, we talked at, you know, Woody Hayes Athletic Center. We're talking about the problems that we're fomenting on the defensive side of the ball with Ohio State <laughs> recruiting. And, you know, we kind of alluded to it a little bit, the Dejan Johnson decommitment on Saturday. I- I'm just going to come right out and say what I can say, which is, Sometimes things happen in people's lives that change people's lives and recruiting is secondary. Okay. So you, you can't really chalk that up to a Ohio state could have done something different and saved this one. Yeah. I mean, maybe the Buckeyes could have, as we talked about the other day, start playing the game of, well, we'll offer you all this money up front or whatever to maybe offset some of the concerns or, or to alleviate some of the concerns that happened as a result of changing life circumstances for people. But, when we're talking about Ty Lockwood, we're talking about the number one uh, commit in the class of 2023, the guy who committed first a year and a half ago, a, a guy playing a position that is not certainly a sexy position where you imagine that he's going to be, you know, the the drawing the attention of Alabama and all these other schools. And then all of a sudden, here we are, the Buckeyes start practice on Thursday. And three days before that, they the number one first commit in the class of 2023 flips to Alla freaking Bama. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> it's crazy because it just seems like Nick Saban and Alabama are doing pretty much whatever they want to Ohio State. Yeah. And I certainly don't blame Ohio State fans or the coaching staff or current commits or anybody else for being uh, a little fatigued about this situation. And it's not new. It's not the first time that it's happened. Uh, it's not the first class that this has happened to for Ohio State. Uh, as long as Nick Saban is there, they sort of uh, remain the kings of this recruiting game. And um, maybe there's some element at play here where uh, the same thing that applies uh, to that defensive side where you have to go out and prove it. Maybe uh, Ohio State has to win a national championship and beat Alabama in that game to start uh, truly even evening up the, the board here. Now, they're not, as we said, in a desperate situation, even if you take out uh, a key piece at tight end. This is going to be a top five class at minimum with an opportunity to go fill it out however they want and get back into the top two or three. To me, I'd be surprised if they don't finish there. Uh, but I, in the in the short term, you can understand why there's a lot of frustration. In the long term, I think you have to bank on the fact that this will even itself out in some way, even if Alabama winds up, let's say, being the number one class in the country. Yeah, and that seems likely. I mean, we we pretty much got it written down in ink every year that an SEC team is going to be the number one ranked class in the recruiting rankings. But let's try to dial this back and figure out exactly where things went wrong here with Ty Lockwood. Because again, this one this one's shocking. I mean, it is not something that you sort of saw coming. This is five days ago. Ty Lockwood started an official visit to Alabama that nobody at Ohio State knew he was taking. Uh, he left the visit with an offer from Alabama, and two days later, he's committed to Alabama and not Ohio State. Again, he was the first recruit to commit to Ohio State in the class of 2023. 
from the beginning, there was at least conversation about the possibility of adding a second tight end in the class of 2023. Um, Jelani Thurman, who took an official visit to Ohio State in, in June, was a player that Ty Lockwood was actively, at least on social media, recruiting for Ohio State. So it's not a situation where you can just chalk it up to say, oh, well, Ohio State took another tight end. He he wanted out. He doesn't want because he did know it was coming. But I, I still think that there's a part of that where you start to wonder, like, maybe I don't need to be a part of a two tight end class or, um, you know, it, it's hard to see it from any other direction. But Kevin Wilson has been recruiting him a long time. Tony Alford was the the, the primary recruiter initially for Ty Lockwood out of Tennessee. Um and, and it just seems like in the last handful of months, something just didn't click between recruiter and recruit. And uh, maybe that opened the door for Alabama. Maybe Alabama trying to open the door on its own is what was causing some of that rift. I don't know. But uh, I can tell you from talking to Ohio State commitments in the last couple of days, they are surprised at what happened with Tyler. Yeah, and I would say, you know, I, I had conversations earlier in the summer with uh, a couple of those people that you may have mentioned on the staff and they didn't name anyone. Uh, they can't address recruits by name, but it was about this situation of wanting to get a second tight end in the class. And they thought it would be a much bigger concern uh, if they went out, would, you know, we're going after the others, would they be willing to be part of a class that had Lockwood in it? They thought that might limit their options, limit their pool because this, this kid was entrenched as a, a sort of class leader. As you said, the first one in the door, uh, a very highly skilled player, certainly fit what Ohio State would want to do with the tight end offensively. So uh, it, it it never seemed to register on the radar that they might have to, if they wanted a second tight end, that they might have to wind up replacing Lockwood. I think that uh, has come as a big surprise to everybody involved. Um, and maybe even if you'd asked a month ago, Lockwood himself wouldn't have thought that this was coming. Uh, I can't put words in his mouth. I can't speak for him, but uh this is not a development I think that anybody anticipated as Ohio State was getting ready to start training camp and, and try and take some attention away from the recruiting class starting on Thursday. Yeah, I did talk to Ty about this over the weekend, and he did tell me that this wasn't a decision based on a one-time visit to Alabama, that this is something he'd been thinking about. This is a, a concern he'd had that maybe the Ohio State tight end room isn't big enough or used enough for, for multiple players in the, in one class. And, you know, actually Ty prior to his commitment, he, he had planned on committing much earlier than he did. And he wanted to keep holding off to see the way Ohio state used the tight end to see if the Jeremy Ruckert senior season uh, developed into what people thought it was going to. And that didn't really come to fruition, but he still made the decision to enter the class. And uh, it's certainly a shock for the Buckeyes. It, it's, it's only made worse by the fact that this weekend Jelani Thurman was actually at Auburn visiting the Tigers. Uh, so two weeks after he made his college commitment, he was visiting uh, Auburn with some with some teammates. And you start to wonder for Ohio State, is there just a bigger issue here? And I'm not going to say problem because I don't believe that this is an Ohio State problem. I think this is actually like a Big Ten slash Midwest problem where I don't know that they're able to or willing to play this recruiting game in the same way that uh, schools around the country, especially by saying that in the SEC are. And I don't know, you know, we, we, a few years ago, there was some mockery going on around uh, the idea of a gentleman's agreement in the big 10 that you don't recruit players committed to other, you, you remember, you remember yeah. that? Yeah. The original uh, uh, 
uh, Urban Meyer coming in to disrupt and bring change to the Big Ten and and Brett Bielema being upset about uh, who was it, Adolphus Washington or who somebody early on, maybe it was an offensive lineman. Somebody flipped from Wisconsin to Ohio State, right? And that yeah. Urban broke the gentleman's agreement. Yeah, and uh, I think, and, and this is just me spitballing here, but is the Big Ten still playing too nice? Uh, are the Big Ten still living in a set of rules or playing by a set of rules that no one else is playing by? That they simply are trying to do things the right way across the board and getting left behind. And again, it's hard to say that without kind of rolling my eyes because this is a top three recruiting class in the country. If Ohio yeah. State doesn't finish with a top five class, I'll be shocked. But if you look around the rest of the league, even as Penn State continues to recruit well, Michigan's having a little bit of a slow start to the class of 2023. You don't see anyone else around the league making really any noise at all. Meanwhile, we see Texas A&M and Miami, um, you know, obviously what, what Georgia and Alabama and LSU and all these schools have done for the last handful of years. I just feel like people are playing too nice and and, and trying to say, hey, you know, we're going to, we're focused on the big picture of life. And, but I don't know that most kids are focused on the big picture of life right now. Well, I, I'm not sure if that's the actual issue or not, Burn, because Ohio State is really the only program uh, that is going full bore head to head with the top of the SEC for truly elite top 100 recruits, right? I mean, Penn State yeah. can get involved and can land a few. Um, Michigan on a player by player basis. On a player by player basis, absolutely. Ohio State is fighting yes. against. Alabama fighting against Georgia, fighting against LSU, A&M, pretty much by themselves, yes. So so I don't know that it's a matter of the rest of the programs being unwilling to do that. Ohio State has a unique problem in that it doesn't want to play the guaranteed inducement NIL game. The rest of the leagues, the rest of the, rest of the teams in the league, for the most part, aren't capable of going head-to-head for the top-tier players. Um, and, and that's, you know... <laughs> A little bit of a problem uh, for the depth of the Big Ten when we're talking about the college football playoff and the strength of the league, because you cannot win at the high level without the highest caliber players. You know, I wouldn't say that, you know, with from my experience um, and being around the Big Ten and, and watching you cover recruiting for a long time, I feel like Nebraska is probably more than willing to mix it up in any way necessary. Uh, and, and Adidas has been probably willing to fund some of that in the past. So, would they, if they were appealing enough to a top 25, top 50 kid, would they offer something up to get them through the door? I, I think they kind of would, but I just think it's probably not a big 10 problem as much as it's just isolated to the one team in the league that on an annual basis can actually go toe to toe with the, with the heavyweights from the South. Yeah. And again, this, this episode of, of, of snap judgments folks is sort of just us spitballing here because a lot of this stuff is just trying to figure out exactly. I think they're all going to be on. that way. Yeah, but this one feels a little bit even more so than that because I think this is a Big Ten problem, and I think it's a problem for Ohio State that the Big Ten is so mediocre. Because I think in a lot of these cases, you're getting you're getting beat by Alabama for players at Ohio State's recruiting, not necessarily just because Nick Saban's history, but because there's a belief among a lot of people in the South, a lot of the the highly influential. Uh, position trainers and people like that, that the only way that these kids are going to get to where they need to go is by playing in the SEC. And I think that that is hurting Ohio State. I really do believe that the Buckeyes are in a position right now where they know that they are the year in, year out favorite to win the Big Ten. 
yeah, I mean, obviously Michigan won it a year ago, but until Michigan, Penn State, Michigan State, et cetera, rise up and stay up, I really think that the Big Ten is a problem for Ohio State because it, it is hard to convince these kids from, from the South to say, hey, you know what, if you want to come here, you're going to play the best of the best competition, you're going to get developed, you're going to get to the NFL. Right now, the, 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 the mantra of the SEC and the monster that the SEC has been for the last 15 years isn't changing, and the Big Ten is not keeping up. Yeah, I think when it comes to week-in, week-out competition, you're right, and that's fair. So what Ohio State has to emphasize more than any other, which it has uh, successfully now for a long time, is uh, how many of those guys, the development is uh, irrelevant compared to the competition you play every week. It's you know six days a week of instruction. Uh, it's Mickey Marotti's strength program, and then the proof come draft day, and then what those Buckeyes do when they get to the next level. So that, that can't be taken away from Ohio State at this point. And it won't be, and it does still resonate with a fair number of kids. Now, the flip side of this is uh, if it comes down to that part and they want to play in the SEC and they think that's the clearest path to, path to the playoff to them or or whatever they else they feel like on a, a Saturday, uh, you know, you're going to have to find different avenues in. It's still yeah. going to circle back to the name, image, and likeness inducement situation. And where it becomes a bigger problem for Ohio State specifically is if it starts to lose these battles against programs like Texas and Oklahoma, if USC becomes a consistent thorn in the side, uh, and and that situation is obviously going to be changing now moving forward with uh, them being in the same league. Uh, however, that winds up shaking out when the expansion dust all settles. You know, I, I think you know that that's a different battle that you'd have to wage on another front. And if Ohio State has to do all of that at once and doesn't have any of the rest of that support from the Big Ten, um, that becomes a, a much bigger hurdle for Ryan Day and Mark Pantone and everybody else involved. But at, I don't think it's to that point. And if it starts to, then maybe we would be having a different conversation about how they view uh, guaranteed uh, yeah. upfront offers because they're not going to slide into irrelevance in, in Columbus. They're not going to let that happen, but they do prefer and have always preferred to protect the amateurism side as much as they can until it becomes inevitable that 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 war is over. Yeah, it's certainly not a situation where Buckeyes fans should be worried that the sky is falling or these guys forgot how to recruit or they don't know what they're doing. But I do think that this is a situation where the, the Ohio State program is being forced to sort of adapt on the fly and try to figure out right. exactly what they're allowed to do how they want to operate, what they're willing to compromise on within the, the Woody Hayes Athletic Center. And, you know, I think that you saw on Sunday afternoon a, a obvious push within the program for the guys that are committed in this class of 2023 to get out in front of it and say, hey, we're not going anywhere. This this team isn't struggling. We're not at, we're not in a in a situation where there's a free fall happening. Because what ends up occurring around the country is that college coaches see this, right? They see Ty Lockwood, again, the, the first commitment in the class of 2023, they see him decommit and flip to Alabama. And everyone else smells blood in the water. And I think it was very important on Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, for the Ohio State commitments to do what they did, which is to go on social media and say, hey, there's no blood in this water. We are we are ready to go. Um, and that's something that the Buckeyes coaches desperately needed them to do because you do see a scenario occasionally where that sort of spin, the, the spin that's coming, the narrative that's coming, gets things off kilter and throws things out of whack. And 
you know, Ohio State, has, it's not like they haven't had success in the last couple of weeks. They did add Jelani Thurman. They added the quarterback, Brock Glenn, on Saturday. They got their first 2025 commitment on Saturday uh, in Jonte Barnes. <laughs> I'm sorry, Jonte Gilbert, who is a player that, you know, if, if you forecast him out, we're talking about a top 15, top 20 player in the class of 2025, most likely. Now, obviously, they have to hold on to him. That's a, that's a long ways away. But it does still show <laughs> the power of the brand because a kid from Georgia – a 2025 kid who's going to be a top 25, top 30 prospect in the country decided to commit to Ohio State three years at a time because he just felt like it was such a better opportunity and a better fit for him than anywhere else. And that still does matter, but now you have to hold on to him. And, and it's just going to be that constant change of recruiting and how name, image, and likeness, which make no mistake, at the end of the day, the single biggest thing that's caused this 2023 recruiting cycle to go completely off the rails and not just for Ohio state, but for literally everyone in the country is NIL. And it is, it is just, it is a free dash crazy town, banana pants right now, crazy town, banana pants. Yeah, that's, that's absolutely right. And, you know, I said this on on Thursday of last week and I'll update it now. I mean, it's August 1st. Okay. In, in a little over a month, Ohio state's going to play a top 10, top five showdown in the horseshoe against Notre Dame on national television and under the lights, the sort of opportunity that uh, everybody says Ohio state has to have the, the atmosphere is better. You get the fireworks going. Uh, you have the, you know, everyone can fly in more easily and get the full day and the full experience. Okay. Well, that's coming. I don't know what the guest list is going to be like. You probably already uh, have got a sneak peek at it uh, or what, how it's, how many people are going to be there at least. So, you know, that's when this thing you know, can pick up again. I, I don't think there's a cause for concern as the calendar flips to this month because Ohio State's going to start playing games. They're going to start winning games. Uh, their their guys in the NFL are going to start making big plays on Sunday, and they're going to see these clips again on social media. I I absolutely understand what we're talking about uh, is a rough stretch for Ohio State. Wouldn't try and sugarcoat that at all from the recruiting perspective. You know that better than anybody. But the the flip side is how much. Uh, can change between now and mid-December. And that starts with them playing games. When we're talking about them bringing in defensive players, you know, Jim Knowles and, and Tim Walton and Perry Aliano and, you know, everybody else involved, that, that new army of support staffers, they have to have a chance to go out and, and put some proof on the field so that it's no longer this theory and testimony. From that From that perspective, right now, Ohio State's defense is theory. They have to start all over with that. Uh, there's testimony on offense that it's a little bit surprising because of that, that you lose a tight end, but you know, they've already got another one in reserve. And if they still feel like they need to, I'm, I'm pretty confident that they'll be able to go out and find somebody uh, who can do some inline blocking and be a physical presence. If they, if that's what they need, uh, because Thurman, if, if he remains in the class moving forward, no reason to think that he won't, even if he's, uh, as you said, taking another visit, they know what he can do uh, offensively and is potentially uh, a target in the passing game. So, it's August 1st. Give this, some, Let them play some games. Let people have their visits. And then we'll revisit uh, this conversation probably later and closer to December. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's definitely understandable, folks, to be like, what in the world is happening here? But again, Ohio State may, took some calculated risks. And one of those was this past weekend, not having that big end of summer barbecue thing that they a lot of schools around the country had, including Alabama, including Michigan, including Oklahoma, Michigan State, Penn State, et cetera. Ohio State's aim is September 3rd, and they want to make sure that every single commitment in the class of 2023 is on campus for that night game against Notre Dame. 
They want to make sure that that environment and that opportunity to really showcase a truly special moment in college football is there in, in front of as many recruits as possible. That's why they didn't do the, the summer recruiting finale like everyone else. And that's really been the focus. Now, unfortunately for Ohio State, it sort of becomes perception as reality when you see other teams coming out and doing this stuff and saying, oh, well, Ohio State doesn't care. They're not really taking this seriously, blah, blah. Like, and it doesn't matter because they know that's not true, but other coaches are going to say it no matter what. Other coaches, other schools, other media members from the cover other schools are going to say, oh, well, this kid's thinking about flipping to someone else, even if it's not true, because it doesn't matter in the world we're living in right now where you can pretty <laughs> much say whatever you want. <laughs> and in some in some cases, I mean, it's crazy, but what ends up happening is that, you know, again, this is apropos of nothing and me just sort of uh, going off on a tangent. But, you know, a lot of times recruits around the country are confused. Like, how, how does this information get out? Why? It's getting out because the team that's trying to flip a player is telling people what to say or how to create drama or how to create a divisive uh, feeling between a committed player and, and his position coach or his head coach. I mean. This is a this is not a a game of of like all's fair, you know. Or, I'm sorry, it is a game of all's fair and love and war in, in recruiting in this case. Anything goes, and so you're seeing a lot of things happening right now that I think are just very confusing. I had one of the Ohio State commitments reach out to me on Sunday afternoon and ask, like, "I heard the class is falling apart." I'm like, "Well, who'd you hear that from?" <laughs> like, yeah, and and oh, hearing it from other coaches around the country. Of course you are. Like that's their job. Their job is to tell you that you need to get out before all the avalanche happens. Like that's just not the case. And uh, it, it, it's crazy, but the, these, these players and their families around the country, they are under this impression that they're supposed to be able to trust the, the words of coaches around the country that are talking to them. But those coaches are trying to literally drive a wedge between you and the coaches you're committed to on purpose. And Ohio state coaches are trying to do the same thing for kids that are committed elsewhere. I mean, it, it's a, it's such a weird world. And everyone's just sort of like grasping for anything they can right now. And unfortunately, Ohio State has been on the, the rough end of that in these last couple of weeks. That's why I say that, Berm, because like we know how long and monotonous the offseason is. And these kids, even though even the recruits, they've gone through the camps and they've been removed from that. They're trying to get their attention back into their own season. Uh, I talked to Brock Glenn about that as he was getting ready uh, to get ready, uh, you know, for his camp and his season like they wanted to put all this aside but you know i think it's nobody else has had football to dig into yeah. for the last couple of months and that's where what replaces that void uh, of not being able to coach football drama like drama were, gossip <laughs> humans seek it out i mean maybe not everyone in the world but a, a, a large majority do and this is just that time where it's about to be replaced by real stuff Real football, yeah. real games, real visits, real conversations. Um, but that's why I say it's August 1st. Let's get to September 3rd, and then that conversation starts shifting. Now, that's still a month away, and there'll be a lot of uh, uh, rumor mongering and, and gossip mills and everything else going on until then. But we'll at least be able to start talking more about football, and everybody else will as well. Yeah, and, and that's, folks, all we're looking forward to on the podcast. This has been Snap Judgments. We're talking recruiting. What's going on? We're still trying to figure it out. But hey, we're gonna fig- <laughs> we're we're gonna figure it out. You can be here with us. That's Austin Ward. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Thanks for watching the podcast. Thanks for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe, and uh, keep following us on on YouTube and everywhere else. We are looking to really turn in 
a, a the podcast and the summer special and hope you guys are there for the ride. Thanks for watching.